Welcome back, everybody, to Cast from the Crypt, the comedy podcast where we just talk about Tales from the Crypt. That's it. That's it. Nothing else horrifying or hilarious. It's just Tales from the Crypt here. I'm just kidding. We talk about all that shit. Everything horrifying and hilarious. I am your host, CJ Roby, and I will be watching a Tales from the Crypt episode for the very first time. That's right. I've never seen it before. Many people who are listening to this have probably never seen it before, and they were just like, whatever, new podcast, sure, I'll put it in my fucking ears. But uh, uh, many people have watched this show, and it was a really popular show, and that's why I'm doing a podcast about it, because I missed out on the experience. I just I just want to be cool, you guys. But um, today we are, uh, you know what? Today we're going to start off with a little PSA. You know, it's it's hard for us creatives out here, you know? We just toil away day and night trying to bring entertainment and joy to all of mankind, you know? And we have many difficulties and troubles that face us, like deadlines and the need to work for money and overcoming sheer muscle atrophying laziness it's it's a struggle we're we're just trying to make people happy we're just we're just putting in the hours so that hopefully our our creative spark can be put out there into the world so that one day our art can encourage and inspire and possibly stop a weirdly genial attempted rape in a laundromat. This is what we want as creatives, is to save the world. And that's exactly, well, okay, not exactly, but that's kind of what this episode's about today. Um, we are talking about season two, episode 13, Corman's Calamity. Now this episode is, oh man, Bro, you've you've never seen meta humor like this. This episode is like, uh, you know, this episode I knew meta before it was meta. I I was already doing that kind of show within a show, like talking about the show and how it's made. Yeah, I was already doing that. <laughs> I'm just a super meta. Yeah, Dan Harmon taught me all this. Yeah, that's that's this episode, <laughs> but it's actually it's pretty fantastic i it just it's the corniest episode that i've seen so far and yet it hits in all the right places it just oh it's just so it's so baffling this episode and like you can just tell you could tell like the the general atmosphere look ec comics has never I don't think that they've ever once taken themselves seriously. I don't even think in their romance novels days or their romance comics that they were taking themselves seriously. I don't know. I'd have to do a little more research into that. Uh, I'm not going to do any more research into it. I, this is just about Tales from the Crypt and not about EC Comics. Go listen to Wizard and the Bruiser on their episode of EC Comics. and that, It's a great podcast. They'll tell you all about it. You're not going to learn it here. Um, 
but it, it's just so funny. Like I, I really love people who can just make fun of themselves like this. It's, uh, it's the best. It's the best shit. I love it. So in the spirit of this episode, we are going to take a little look behind the curtain at the top five credits of the episode. Number five is Richard Schiff. Uh, so he was, I couldn't recognize him as laundromat murderer, but uh, I, when I saw his picture, I was just like, oh yeah, I've seen that guy in a bunch of stuff. Uh, he's, he was probably most known for, uh, being a character in the West Wing, which, like, everyone's parents watched while this was a show, like, while Tales from the Crypt was on, everybody was watching West Wing. Um, Lost World, he was in, I forget who he plays in the Lost World, I think it was, like, a, a slimebag doctor or something, or, like, a con artist, I haven't seen that movie in forever, I'm pretty sure he's a slimeball, he's, he's... He looks like one of those kinds of guys who are like typecast as that because he's also in what he's also in Man of Steel as the doctor that like gives Superman to Zod. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think I think that's his whole deal. Um, he's in a bunch of like one episodes of a lot of different things. You've seen him before. Number four is Colleen Camp who was the wife in this episode. She is, she's intense, man. <laughs> she's pretty ridiculous. It's hilarious watching her on screen just with the crazy outfits and just, just ripping into this fool the, the whole time. It's, it's great to see. Um, I actually never saw the movie, but people might recognize her as the maid in Clue. Don't tell me if she's the one who did it, alright? I, I still don't know, okay? One of these days I'm gonna get through all the Tim Curry movies, so I don't want anyone spoiling this shit for me. Um, she's also in a couple of the Police Academy movies, and in, uh, some action movies. She's in Last Action Hero... And Die Hard with a Vengeance. I think she plays a cop in both of them. I think she's mostly just plays cops. I think I think that's her thing. So now she, instead of a cop, she's just like a clown woman. Number three is the composer of the episode, David Kittay. Uh The the music is kind of all over the place in this episode. I was wondering why it felt so Scooby Doo. And other than the uh, other than the zombie that shows up later, I I pretty much nailed it down to uh, because of Kitay's music in this. But uh, he's and it kind of makes sense when you when you hear the music and when you get a feel of this episode, you would be like, oh, he probably did Harold and Kumar, Dude, Where's My Car, and Scary Movie, and you would be correct. <laughs> Uh, he, he's, like, a big comedy guy. He also did, uh, Night at the Roxbury, classic comedy, and both of the Look Who's Talking movies. Number two is the cinematographer of the episode, Shelley Johnson. And, honestly, I didn't really focus on the cinematography of this one, because I was kind of caught up in all the rest of the ridiculousness of this bullshit. But uh, he's got some great 
credits. Uh, he did the Captain America movie, uh, another Jurassic Park player, cinematographer for Jurassic Park 3. We got two Jurassic Park alumni in one episode. My God. He's, he's also got TV credits because he did the Shining TV movie that everyone forgot about and <laughs> that was apparently was apparently Stephen King's love child because fuck the Kubrick movie. Let that piece of shit put it on TV. Make it how I wanted it to be made. Uh, so yeah, he got Shelley Johnson to do that. And uh, Shelley also did the the new Bill and Ted movie. The It just came out. I still need to see it because those movies are hilarious. I hear it's really good. But, uh, yeah, let's all go support Shelly Johnson and Bill and Ted. And our top credit for the episode is someone that you probably didn't notice because he was dressed up like a big cobweb zombie. I'm I'm not entirely sure the direction that they were trying to take with that zombie. It was well, we'll talk about it, but <laughs> he was the zombie in the refrigerator and yeah, there's a zombie in a refrigerator. Stay tuned, folks. Uh he's the zombie in the refrigerator and he well, <sighs> this guy this guy's all over the place. And when he's not playing a gorilla in a movie, because apparently that's that's his whole typecast, when he's not playing a gorilla in a movie, you would see him as, like, an alien in, in the Aliens. I think it's, what, Alien 2 and AVP, Alien vs. Predator, he's in the alien suits. Uh, he's also fucking Goro. This motherfucker is Goro. <laughs> when I saw that, I was just like, yo, hold on a second. He should have, like, snapped one of those kids in half on his knee or something. <laughs> um, and he's also, for, for all the horror fans, this dude is Pumpkinhead. Oh, man. I... Pumpkinhead is a really crazy movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. The last time I saw it was I was a, like a, I was a teenager, and it was it was just it's a ridiculous movie. Go watch that. The, at least that is definitely something that I'm gonna have to watch before the month ends. Is Pumpkinhead again? Oh man, what a movie! All right, guys, let's talk about it. This is season two, episode thirteen. Corman's Calamity, dropped June 26th, 1990, and it's, oh, man, okay, alright, so, we open, you know what, honestly, I have to, I have to go back, and I've gotta look through my notes to see what the Crypt Keeper even said, because there, it was, it was just jam-packed, with all sorts of bullshit. Hold on a second. Are there? I gotta see if there are notable jokes from from the stream of bullshit. Nope. Too much. I the the crib keeper is drawing a picture of himself, drawing a picture of himself, drawing a picture of himself. It's already as soon as it starts. It's just like, oh uh, yeah, this is gonna be the most. Th this is gonna be the most meta shit. Just prepare yourselves. 
Um, and he's he's just talking about <laughs> he's talking about his own comic and just like ah, get a load of this shit, huh? This was act this show you're watching was actually a comic, and this guy right here, man, oh damn, <laughs> he's just oh god. I I just I just have to talk about what what actually happens in this episode. I really just need to get into it because it opens. Listen, I already talked about David Kitte and I saw him and I was like, oh, he did a lot of good stuff. And then it opens with just my imagination. I was like, you didn't write this, David Kitte. Get out of here. But it's just playing on the radio. You see Corman. He's over here drawing his shit at his comic job, and then he turns it off. He's he's just pouring into this. He's got no idea what to do, just major writer's block, and someone kind of ribs him. He's like, oh, you finished with corpse eaters from Pluto yet? It's been forever. Fucking bad. <laughs> and then that guy and his boss just start shooting off stupid-ass tales from the crypt ideas. It's just like, oh, well, okay, so so this doctor has to operate on himself and take out his own appendix. Oh, wait, no. A bowling, or no, a mini-golf owner kills his wife and then sets her up as a whole, and, uh, and, <laughs> and they just keep going on and on, just bothering the shit out of this dude. And there's a knock on the door, and there's just a bang on the office door, and everyone looks around, they're just like, ooh, I'm not, I'm not being a part of this. So they just retreat to their office and Corman's wife enters the scene and she is just an absolute demon. This is a monster of a person. I, I would, I would be terrified too. I would definitely, I wouldn't even want to be around for any of this that happens because she just busts in the room in, like, a big-ass, like, sailor's... <laughs> it's, it's like a striped sa- blue and white sailor's outfit-looking kind of dress. And she and this crazy red hat that matches the hat of a skeleton in the background, which is... I was like, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Are, is, are you death incarnate? Is this what's happening? And there's like, okay, so so David Kate gets his shine because as soon as she kicks down the door, there's just the whole like noir music, like the horns are just like, uh-oh, you're in trouble, that kind of music. So she goes in there and she's just yelling at him. She's like, when are you coming home? Uh, who are these secretaries that you're fucking? And he's like, I'm, I'm just sitting here drawing my comic baby please she's like nah bull snot i know you're over here chasing skirts and all this other shit and she's just she's just looking around for women while while she's just like ah yeah why don't you get a fucking real job instead of chasing around these floozies you can't even give me kids you fucking wimp and it's like god damn like Jesus Christ, in public? What are you doing? Get away from me. Oh my God. I was, I was feeling so bad. Uh, and she, and when, when the kids are brought up, he's just like, hey, 
hold on a second, calm down, all right? You know I'm taking pills for that. It could be any one of us, okay, bitch? And she doesn't like that. She just stares him down. He's like, okay, all right, look, I've been getting, I've been giving the, I've been taking the pills, but I'm, I, I'm trying not to. He, he tells her that he's taking the pills, but she counted. She brings the pills. She's like, oh yeah, these pills, bitch. And he's like, okay, I haven't been taking the pills. Uh, they give me these weird side effects. Like, I can't control it. It's like, he says it it makes his imagination fertile, which is, mm, I don't know. He's like, it's supposed to make me fertile, but it makes my imagination fertile, which I was I, I was confused about because I was like, what do you mean imagination fertile? Like, I kind of understood where it was going, but still, what a weird way to to put that. But, uh, he's, yeah, she's just laying into him. He's like, maybe you need a new husband then. She's just like, nah, bitch, you're stuck with me. It's till death do us part, you little bitch. She's just, just killing this fool. Um, so after she leaves, he's just all pissed and he's drawing his, drawing his comic and he finally finishes the corpse eater from Pluto and it looks like his wife it's just all like monstrous and beastly um it just like zooms in on that and then it cuts to him in the laundry he's just hanging out he's doing his clothes uh I guess his wife just kicked him out of the house to do clothes she's not doing shit she's not gonna fucking do it you do it but uh he's at the laundromat and he's doing his clothes he sees a cute girl just hanging out so he gives her some gives her some quarters all slick like you know shoots his shot and then he takes off uh but you know what this part of the story isn't about him okay all right because he leaves and you hear some sirens in the background and it kind of sets up it's just like oh maybe something's going on um but she's just hanging out in the She's just hanging out in the laundry, doing her clothes, and then all of a sudden the lights go out. So here, you're just like, ooh, I know where this episode's going. Like, he's drawing the monsters, they come to life, blah, blah, blah. It, it's it, Here it goes, here it starts. The, the lights go out and the monster's just gonna come out and fucking come after her, tear her apart. Uh, close. A monster does show up. Because some dude just appears in the darkness and uh, uh, startles her. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, lady. Did I scare you? He's like, weirdly? Yeah, she's she's going, oh, damn. Yeah, you did scare me. Hey, what's going on with the lights? I don't know. He's like, oh, well, you know, I don't think them lights are going to be coming on. You know why? Because I took out the lights. And she's, he pulls a switchblade on her. She's backing up. And uh, she she asks if he's going to hurt her. And he goes, yes, ma'am. I'm afraid I am. And I was like, what is this? What is this character right here? Who is? Anyway, she, she, he's, he's creeping up on her. But she's a cop. Oh, shit. Everybody get down. Hold on a second. Don't, don't move. I'm a cop. But he doesn't care. He's about to slap that badge out of her hand and stab the shit out of her. But she, like, 
flips him over, just takes him out, but he gets back up. He's like, oh, man, fuck you. You're done now. And then all of a sudden, out of the laundry, out of one of the laundry uh, washers, some monster just kicks out the door and shows up. And she sees the whole thing. She's like, bro, look behind you, man. <laughs> and he's, oh, <laughs> oldest trick in the book. You think I'm going to fall for it? Immediately gets his head chomped off by some crazy looking corpse eater from Pluto. And a plastic head falls onto the ground. And <laughs> close up on this dude's just fucking plaster and paper mache face screaming in horror so after that it cuts to the police once they're you know here hearing about the crime and she's reported and everything and the whatever whatever other officer who knows what ranks are but he's talking to her trying to get the story straight and she's like, you gotta believe me, bro. And he's telling her, he's like, yeah, yeah, I gotta believe you, huh? Sounds just as crazy as the guy who saw the two-headed ogre and the lady who says a T-Rex was in her car. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Go talk to the chief. He wants to see you. So after that, she's just kind of walking the beat. And she passes by a newsstand, says hello to the guy. And as she passes it, she sees... Tales from the Crypt comics. So she takes a look, and oh, oh, all these crimes were drawn about in the comic. What? It's a copycat. Oh, shit. So later it just cuts to, um, it cuts back to the office, and all the guys are throwing out ideas again. They're just, just talking dumb shit. It's like, all right, so this next comic, like, you're a... It's a dog, all right? It's an attack dog, but you're the dog. And there's like foam on the... Oh, shit. And <laughs> just, I love those guys because they're all just so hyped over, <laughs> over their ideas. And there's a little there's a little Easter egg from the comic because the all the guys are supposed to be like... Well, at least one of them is supposed to be like all weird and lecherous, you know? And he kind of gives a bark at the secretary that comes in when they're talking about the dog. I just thought that it was kind of a little nod to the comic. And Corman's sitting at his desk and his wife calls him. And <laughs> she's, you know, grilling him about what he's up to. And he tells her that all the secretaries went home. Don't even, don't even worry about it. So she's still just yelling, and he's just all angry, drawing. He's drawing what it—it it looks like Genghis Khan in just some like lady clothes, just all like a Genghis Khan troll in lady clothes. <laughs> that's that's what he's drawing, uh, and. In the background, you can actually see it starting to appear. <laughs> you can see, like, a light turns on. You can see its claw just like, ah, yeah. But then he crumples it up and throws it away, and the monster just evaporates. It, this episode is great. It's fantastic. I'm. It might. Some people might think that it's the corniest thing in the world, but I was supremely entertained by this. After that, he goes to his car, he's going home to be sad for the rest of his life, and the cop lady's just in his car. I, she's just in his car. 
And I, I don't know why she would. She, she could always just go to the office or anything. She's like, ah, I needed to talk to you privately. And it's like, bitch, we could have stepped outside. You could, you're the police. You could have like called me or something. But she's handing him, um, she's handing him newspaper clippings about everything that's going on because she, she shows him the newspaper that, that was about her getting attacked by the rapist in the laundromat and how he got his head eaten off and the T-Rex and everything like that. And she's like, yeah, so I saw your comics and I think, uh, I think she doesn't even go to copycat. The first thing that I would have thought was like, oh, like copycat killer. Someone's dressing up as your bullshit. It's a Scooby-Doo ass murder mystery thing. No, she was immediately just like, yeah, somehow your drawings are coming to life. Listen, this is with it. This is entirely within the realm of possibility to me that your drawings are becoming real and murdering people. So we're going to go test it. All right. We're going to go to your office and we're going to you're going to draw something horrifying and we're going to see where it shows up. So they go do that. Nothing happens. Of course, he draws it and nothing's nothing's going on and uh he's like oh yeah so nothing she's oh no man it's gonna happen i promise we no one has reported it yet that's it it definitely happened bro and he's he doesn't believe because he hasn't seen any of this so you know he's just he's just trying to get up in there which you know listen everyone knows that comic book artists have the sexiest job on the planet, all right? This guy stays getting bitches. He's got a wife that just will never leave him. He's all up in this chick's business, and it works. It works, because he's giving her flirty looks, and she's looking around the office, looking back at him, oh, oh, all coy and shy and shit, and uh, they're, they're, just, they're just all over each other for no... He even puts the picture of his wife down while while she's hanging out and uh and he's oh yeah nothing happened and she she goes oh just believe anything is possible and he gets all up close like oh yeah anything she, oh no i can't oh i'm a i'm an officer he's like please please let's just let's just do this and and, and it works and she's just like oh yeah well I'll I'll talk to you later about the cases. Like, what do we talk about it over dinner? Mm, we'll see. Mm. So you know he's he's feeling himself, and he's even telling her, "Oh oh, I'll give up horror for you. I'll I'll just start writing cute things that are cute and romantic." But uh, I'm gonna need someone to help me out and research. I I don't know I don't know why he says it like not research research. <laughs> It was, it was so weird, but she's all about it. So after after that, it uh, <laughs> there's this scene where these little kids are playing in, I don't know, some abandoned warehouse. They're indoors, but there's just debris everywhere. I uh, Listen, it, it's just a tetanus fountain in there. From what I see, I I didn't find any of those sorts of places to play as a kid. I always had to actually be outside. Where the fuck are they? Um, but some little wimpy kid, he's he's crying to them. Oh, can I play? Nah, nah, you're too wimpy. Get out of here. Bah. So 
he takes a walk and he finds a refrigerator that starts oozing green shit. <laughs> and so he calls everyone over. He's like, guys, some there's some weird shit going on. I'm hearing noises in this refrigerator. It's oozing and shit. And all the rest of the kids come by to check it out. And they just start they just start clowning on this little kid because he's scared of whatever's happening. And then some Scooby-Doo looking pow- Every monster in this looks like Rita Repulsa fucking sent it down. And it's about to get taken out by the Power Rangers before it becomes a giant thing. And has a whole kaiju battle. This thing looks straight up like the zombie in the opening of the Scooby-Doo cartoon where he's all green and his hair is all shitty. This is covered in cobwebs. I didn't understand where the cobwebs came from. Because in the drawing, he looks all creepy. He's got like tattered clothes and everything. When he shows up, there's slime. There's fluorescent green slime coming out of the refrigerator. But he's covered in cobwebs. Not a slime to be seen. I, I didn't know if it was just like what the it was supposed to get as close to the visual effect as possible or what. But I was I was I had no idea. And it goes back to Corman just at the office. Now his zombie has appeared, but you know what? He's not making zombies anymore. Now he's just over here drawing a love scene in the next comic and his boss shows up. He's like, what the hell is this? No, don't don't do any of this shit. That's that garbage. Uh, but he takes off because he, he says his wife isn't as forgiving as Corman's, which I was I was like, is that supposed to be a joke? Or is is everyone in the office's wife just like a horrific, like horror horror beast? I don't know. Uh, and Corman gets a call. Lorelai. Oh, yeah. The cop's name is Lorelai. Um, Lorelai calls him up. And he's just like, oh, hello, how are you doing? You want to talk about this case? Maybe we can do it over like some candlelight and some dinner. And <laughs> and, the, and the camera's like swinging around him. And then it swings to just show his wife just staring at him <laughs> at the end of his desk, just right up in his face. Just, ah, so who the fuck is that, huh? And, and he's, he's caught red-handed. It's, it's on. And she's, she goes, oh, yeah, you know what? Hey, you know what? You hang out up here. Everything's fine. I got a surprise for you in the car. And she takes off. Corman's sweating. She leaves and he just starts drawing a, a picture of her just as some ogre he just draws an ogre with her clothes on and she comes back up and and guess what her surprise is it's a fucking gun she is about to kill the shit out of this dude <laughs> and and uh she's she's got him at gunpoint and sees the drawing he's still holding the drawing and she takes it from him she's like ah oh, this is what you think i look like huh oh yeah <laughs> and she's about to blow any image of her out of his fucking brains. And then, <laughs> okay, you know what? I I was I was talking how I didn't really 
notice Shelley Johnson's cinematography in this episode. This right here is was the pinpoint. Oh, you're you are a you deserve to have those credits behind you because it just shows them. And in the background, this crazy mascot looking <laughs> like grimace motherfucker shows up in her clothes and it's it all just goes downhill from here it's so funny all of the all of the special effects and all the monster outfits look hilarious you have to if there's any episode of this show that you actually watch from this podcast please for the love of god make it this one <laughs> so the monster just goes right for right for Corman, but his wife being his wife, her name's Mildred, by the way. I, I put that like at the way end of his notes or out of my notes because who cares? She's horror horror wife numbered one. Um, no, but Mildred is just talking all sorts of shit, and the the monster's not taking it. the The monster's her, so. Obviously, she's not about to put up with whatever is going on from this bitch who looks just like her. So, it just takes her out. It's, it's just like a wacky, like, Three Stooges. Like, it just, all you hear is the monster just tackles her. And all you hear is, whoa, whoa, like, all that sort of shit. And Corman's just like, oh, yeah. You guys take care of all that. And he dips. And as soon as he gets out of the office, um, uh, Lorelai shows up, the cop. She's She just shows up for their date looking all sorts of sexy. Just, oh, hey, what's going on, Link? And he, <laughs> he immediately pushes her into an elevator. He's like, nope, we're getting the fuck out of here. And she can hear all the noise, but he's... He says that it's just redecorating. We're, we're just doing some uh, office renovations here. And then it uh, zooms in. There's there's a nice transition to the ending scene where it's the, uh, it's the romance picture that he drew of them. And then it zooms into that after it gets blood, after it gets Mildred's blood all over it. Uh, it zooms into that cut. And I thought, I thought there was going to be, like, a weird twist where she was going to just, like, kill him in the last scene because blood got on the page. But no, it's just the transition to them just having their dinner. And she asks him if he's married. And he, he damn near might as well have just looked in the camera for this one. But she asks him if he's married. And he goes, not anymore. <laughs> and then they clink their glasses. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> And Tales from the Crypt is just so meta that they even have a comic of this story. So let's talk about that in Comic vs. Show. The source material of this episode comes from Tales from the Crypt episode... Comes from Tales from the Crypt number 31. And it is completely different this they they just honestly they just took the fact that it was based in the tales from the crypt uh offices and just 
made an episode of the show out of that. They were just like, whatever, just do whatever as long as we kind of keep this up. Uh, and there's a little, <laughs> I uh, it took me a couple of watches, but there's a little Easter egg in the back of the office in the show that they actually have the Crypt Keeper's head, which I thought was a little fun thing. But the comic, like I said, completely different. It's actually Cayman's Calamity. Maybe Cayman? Common? Maybe. Jack Cayman is the protagonist of the episode, and he's a new guy. He's a new hire. He's like a slick talker. Uh, it sets up the office as just being like a general place of chicanery. Uh, it gets into the fact that they were doing romance comics before and they stopped selling, so they switched up to horror comics, which um, kind of is... They, they nodded to that in the show with uh, Corman being like, oh, like, I'll give it up. I'll just draw romance comics. You know, that's because EC Comics. Uh, but he's a new guy who's just, like, super nice and charming. He's, like, a sweet guy. He's, like, a very charismatic dude, like, always trying to tell a joke to someone. And apparently, he draws the best titties in the business. So they hired him for the romance uh, comics, and then they had to switch over to horror, like, right as they hired this dude. But the thing about Jack is he's just too much of, like, a nice, charming dude. It's just like, ah, damn it. This guy's just, like, too cool. He can't draw horror. He's trying to draw horror and... Uh, the the people are just like, what is this? What? You can't make the vampires handsome, which... Uh, Hey, 50s, you just wait until all the trends that happened. We got the prettiest vampires around back in, like, 2008. I don't remember when the fuck Twilight happened. Who gives a shit? Um, but he's told that he needs to, like, make it more gruesome, you know? It's gotta gross it up. It, it's horror. Come on, bro. But he's just... He, he just can't do it. So he kind of... He kind of goes off on his own to really get into the horror mindset, and he's drawing all sorts of shit, and he's really getting in there. He's watching movies and shit like that, and he's just really trying to, and then he just snaps. He's he's writing his own horror story. He's like, yes, yes, I finally did it. Like, uh -huh, he's drawing it all out. And then he just goes crazy because it's just too intense. He he made his own monster. He sees the full moon. He's like, yes, if, I, if I'm making the horror story, I've got to live it. The full moon. I need blood. I need human flesh. And he goes out into a park and he just kills some dude. He just rips some dude apart. He's like, yes, this is what I need. And then he goes back and he finishes the comic. And it, uh, I and his wife and kid are just like, oh no, what's what's going on, huh? And he attacks them, but then it turns out that it was all just a dream. Jack wakes up and he's still charming and nice, and it was all a dream. But he he got a little bit of inspiration, and uh, he he was able to keep his job at the horror paper at Tales from the Crypt, 
while everyone is just being a bunch of, like, insane weirdos chasing around secretaries and just throwing out the stupidest ideas imaginable. He's He just gets to continue being a nice, charming, well-rounded dude in this fucking animal house that is EC Comics. And, uh, yeah, that's that's the whole comic. So, like I said, wildly different from the show. They were just like, whatever, just write a story about being in EC Comics. <laughs> but I like the direction that, that they took it in. The, the Tales from the Crypt shit starts becoming real. I love it. I love the, the creatures. I loved... The characters, everything about this episode was fucking gold. It was great. So, now that I'm done saying nice things about that, I've got nice things to say about something else in the Shriek of the Week. So, the Shriek of the Week this week is Season 2 of The Haunting of Hill House, also known as The Haunting of Bly Manor. Ooh, it's a different place this time. They didn't just move back into the house. Hey, uh, you know, so this is a, this is a great little spot, very cozy and nice. Uh, there's a whole family that was just, like, doomed by crazy, like, time warp poltergeist bullshit. But, uh, you know, that probably won't happen to you. You should definitely buy this house. No, that's not the premise of this. Different house. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, uh, it's also a very different show. The whole, oh yeah, spoilers for season one back there. Spoiler alert. Everything is, everyone was just fucked. Um, <laughs> but, uh... Bly, Bly Manor, it's, it, it does the same kind of like jumping around storytelling and kind of like filling in the gaps and stuff like that. But, uh, it, it, I don't know. They were, it was kind of all over the place. There were like, there are some plot points that just got resolved like super quickly. It's just like, oh, well, we no longer need to deal with this anymore. And then there are other ones that are just like, wait, I, I've, I've got questions as to, like, exactly how shit works, or, like, how, who was coerced into, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun show, it's definitely a very fun show, um, I, I, I really wish that the whole hidden ghost thing didn't go, like, out of control in the writer's room to where they were just like, oh, everybody loved the hidden ghosts, in season one, so instead of doing hidden ghosts, we're just gonna put ghosts like in the background shots. Like, yeah, there were there are some cleverly placed ones, you know, every once in a while. But we gotta we gotta make sure that the fans at home are can like see it the first time rather than rewatching the show in order to track down all the ghosts. I was I was talking to somebody about it a little bit ago. It was like. Going to Disney and riding on the Haunted Mansion ride rather than just, like, going out and trying to find all the little hidden Mickeys and stuff. It's just like, oh, uh, Blind Manor is just like, ooh, did you see it? There's a ghost. Ooh, oh, so scary, right? And then in Hill House, it was just like, oh, yeah, no, the ghosts are part of the atmosphere. Like, that's that's just, they're just there. They're just part of it. Like, did you see that one? Ooh, I bet you missed that one. But... 
Like that's that's the kind of shit that I that I really appreciated that they kind of moved away from in this. Uh, things were things were like a little more clear cut, if anything. You know, it was it was a more. Oh well, I mean, you know what? They they even say it in the fucking. They even say it in the show. It's less of a ghost story and more of a love story, which I'm fine with. Look, look, I'm not I'm not some like. Hola. <clears throat> What is that sissy girl stuff? Uh, why is no one throwing a football? I'm not. I'm not one of these dudes. I'll watch a romance thing, whatever. You know, I don't care. But um, it was. I. I really wanted to see uh, a show about ghosts. <laughs> a show that was more about ghosts than it kind of was. Uh, it's more about the interpersonal relationships, which is fine. Hey, that's fine. I signed up for a ghost show, but I still had a good time. So, I I still recommend it. Like I said, I definitely had a good time watching it. Uh, if you were a big fan of season one, then, I mean, it'll make you want to watch season one again. <laughs> uh, it's it's not that bad. I'm just, I'm just giving it shit. But, uh, yeah, go watch it, and um, hopefully we'll get a season three, and they'll do it again. All right, folks, that is it for me. Until uh, next week, you can find me. You can keep up with me on all of the social medias. Well, not all of them, mostly just Twitter and Twitch. Uh, I don't really, I, I don't do Instagram. Hey, I'm bad at it. But uh, all of those things, you can find me at CJ Demoka. That's C-J-D-A-M-O-C-H-A. All right, folks, take it easy and stay spooky.